You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. When we were studying the Mishnayot related to the new moon, we came into, we, 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 um, we were made, made aware of the tension between halachic reality and physical reality. And neither of them take complete precedence. I mean, the new moon can only be, the, new, the, the month, it can only be 29 or 30 days. It can't be more than 30 or less than 29. And we need to see the new moon. But on the other hand, the Bet Din has the option of delaying the discussion about the witnesses until it's too late, until it's too late to declare a new month. So there is the and and if the bet din makes a mistake, or the bet din um, deliberately sanctifies the new month on the wrong day, you know the the voice of the bet din is supreme. So we we've seen a little bit of that tension between the physical and the halachic reality, and now we're going to explore that tension in terms of blowing the shofar. So we've dealt with the physical shofar, that we need a phys- we need an existing physical shofar. The shofar that's split into two and reassembled isn't valid. And now we're going to deal with the sound of the shofar itself. So we're in the seventh Mishnah of the third chapter, Rosh Hashanah. Someone who blows into a pit or a cistern, or a barrel. This would be a gigantic barrel. Why would you want to blow in 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 a cistern? And the Mishnah says, "Latochs And I've translated here as someone who blows into a pit, but it could just be in a pit. Someone who's standing in a pit, or a cistern, or a barrel, and he's blowing this shofar. And why would you want to do that? Well. At a time of persecution, you might want not want to advertise to the whole world that you are blowing the shofar. So there might be a very real reason why you're standing in this rather unusual space, blowing the shofar. And the Mishnah continues, If someone has heard the sound of the shofar, He's fulfilled his obligation, but if he hears the echo, he hasn't fulfilled his obligation. As though you have to hear the physical shofar. You can't hear a reproduction of it. That might apply, by the way, today to someone who wants to fulfill his obligation to hear shofar over the telephone or over Zoom. We had a lot of discussion about shofar and Zoom during the pandemic, and this Mishnah was quoted during the pandemic that I think the consensus is that you have to, for a Migilah, by the way, there's absolutely no doubt you can fulfill your obligation for Migilah over Zoom. Absolutely no problem there. But for Shofar, there's the feeling that you have to be in direct contact with the voice, the voice of the Shofar. But the question is much more than just physical contact, as the Mishnah goes on to explain. Someone who was passing behind a synagogue 
or maybe his house was next to a synagogue. And he heard the voice of the shofar or the voice or the reading of the Megillah. If he directed his heart, i.e. if he intended to hear the voice of the shofar, he's fulfilled his obligation. But if not, he hasn't. In other words, you can't just passively absorb in the note of the shofar. When you're listening to the shofar, you have to be listening to it with the knowledge that this is the mitzvah. You're fulfilling the mitzvah by doing this listening. And the Mishnah continues, you know, and this is the classic, the classic, if you like, debunking of physical reality. Even though this one heard and that one heard. In other words, they both heard. They both heard exactly the same sound. This one directed his heart. This one paid attention. This one fulfilled the mitzvah. And the other one did not. So physical reality does not rule supreme. We're going to find this when we go to war. The Mishnah, we're going to conclude on this Mishnah. This is the, the last Mishnah in the chapter. And we've always said that the last Mishnah in the chapter is very, very significant. And no, I would think nowhere more so than in the third chapter of Rosh Hashanah, where we're dealing with um, Kiven Libo. We're dealing with Kavana. We're dealing with intention. We're dealing with thoughts. The world is being judged. We're blowing the shofar on judgment day. And so the Mishnah is going to quote a verse from uh, Exodus from the Pasha of Bushalach, actually from the war with Amalek. And you probably remember the story. The people cross the Red Sea. They have this extraordinary I mean, you know, they, they, there's an extraordinary miracle. The whole of army of Egypt is, is defeated. You know, Egypt is the local superpower. It's like saying the, I don't know, the American army is, is, is magically defeated. Egypt, they, they cross the Red Sea. The Egyptian army is defeated. They go into the desert and they complain. They complain that there's not enough water. And they say, Hayesh Elohim, uh, Imanu or law, or something to that effect. They say, "Is God with us?" Or ayin, is God among us or not? And what happens? They are attacked by Amalek. They're attacked, and Moshe tells uh, Joshua to go and make war. And, and actually, I brought you the Pesukim here. Joshua did as Moshe told him, and he fought. And Moshe and Aaron and Hur go up to the top of the hill. It came to pass when Moshe held up his hand that Israel prevailed. But whenever he let down his hand, when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. So what's go what what is what is what's going on? Let's go back to the Mishnah. So the Mishnah quotes the verse. It came to pass when Moses held up his hand. Israel prevailed. But the Mishnah asks, 
is are we talking physical reality? Did the hands of Moshe wage war or break war? No. Ella Lomalacha calls Manche Hayusrael Mista Klim Klape Mala Umish Umishabdim et Libam la Avihem Sheba Shemaim Hayumi Gavrem. Rather, this teaches you that as long as Israel looks up, looked upwards and subjected or enslaved their hearts to their Father in heaven, they prevailed. And if not, the Imlav Hayunoflim. And if not, they fell. So there is a connection kind of between physical reality and spiritual reality, but it's not quite, it, it, it's not quite what you expect, and it's certainly not magic. It's certainly not magic. It's not just that Moshe has to hold up his hand and everything works. And the Mishnah is then going to bring us a parallel story from the Parsha of Chukat. Now, I don't know whether you know that the Parsha of Bashalach the story of the crossing of the Red Sea and the complaining is parallel to the Pasha of Chukat. You go through them very carefully. You'll see they both have a song. They both have a battle. They both have Moshe striking water from the rock. They both have complaining. They're absolutely parallel Parshayot, except that in one of them, the people are mature and they solve their own problems. Whereas in the other, the people have just come out of it's slavery and they need God to solve their problems. So they're parallel parashayot, and there's a similar type of event. Let's look at the text. This is after they complain. The Lord sends fiery serpents among the people, and they bite. And many people die. And the people come to Moshe, and they say, they, they, they're sorry. They say, we've sinned. Actually, this is very, very reminiscent, by the way, of... Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Vayomer, Chatanu, we've sinned. Kidibanu Bashem Vevavach, we spoken against the Lord and against you. Hit Palel El Hashem Veyaser Mealenimatanachash, pray to the Lord that he take the serpents away from us. And Moshe prays. So what does God tell Moshe to do? He says, make a fiery serpent, make a replica of these fiery serpents that have been biting the people. Make a fiery serpent and set it up on a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten and sees it shall live. And Moshe makes this out of brass, and he puts it on the pole. And if the serpent's bitten anybody, when he looks on the serpent of brass, he lives. And the Mishnah again doesn't understand it. Similarly, Make yourself a fiery servant, etc. Did the serpent kill or did the serpent keep alive? We're talking about the brass serpent here, not the real one. The Mishnah is saying, look, this, this magic, when magic, magic doesn't work. Magic is for other people. Magic doesn't work for us. And Moshe just making a brass thing and putting it on a pole, it doesn't heal people. That's not how medicine works. And then it goes on. Ela, but, but, bisman she Yisrael mistak klim klape mala umishabdim et libam la avihem shivashamayim. At the time when Israel look upwards and subject or enslave their hearts to their father in heaven, 
they were healed, and if not, they were melted. So there is a connection between physical reality and spiritual reality, but it's not quite... It, it's it's not well it's not magic it's not magic and it's internal and of course it starts with us and then the mishnah concludes and this is another very important principle a deaf mute and a simpleton and a minor can't enable others to fulfill their obligations this is a general principle. Someone who's not liable to an obligation can't perform it on behalf of, of the many. So, for example, oh, I don't know, slaves are exempt from the from the mitzvah of sukkah. So, if, if you're sitting in the sukkah with your slave, then and he recites the bracha over sukkah, you can't just recite and answer amen and be fulfill your obligation via the bracha. You have to recite the bracha yourself. You can't have your slave recite the bracha for you. If um, you're sitting in there with your um, your husband and he recites the bracha for you, it's different. It's different. You can you can be you can fulfill an obligation via someone who who himself is obliged. You can't fulfill an obligation via someone who's not obliged. So the same would apply with a child in a sukkah, actually. You don't have to take the example of a slave. So is that magic or is it not? I'm, I'm not sure. I, I'm honestly not sure of the connection between who is obligated and who kiven um, libor, who orients their heart. But somehow the Mishnah seems to bring these together there's some question of obligation and intention which is somehow which is linked at the end of this chapter and that essentially is the conclusion of the third chapter of Rosh Hashanah and we'll go on to look at other issues in the next chapter thank you for listening to this edition of the daily Mishnah podcast with Benedict <laughs>